यूनिकॉर्न I am sure you must have heard of the saying tough times don't last tough people do and today we speak to Girish Patra the man who is epitome of toughness in his 20 years of experience as an entrepreneur he has built up his company from scratch not once but twice and currently manages more than 15000 sales people who are powering some of india's most disruptive startups and making them into unicorns so girish sir let's start by understanding more about what made you an entrepreneur you know i mean a lot of people say that entrepreneurs are born or entrepreneurs are made what side of the debate are you i remember my childhood days right so my dad was in a government job and most of my relatives were uh, in in business so obviously we were always constrained for the basic amenities of life and i think my initial thought about being an entrepreneur was more to do a business right and i wasn't very clear about the concept of entrepreneurship as a child i'm i'm sure nowadays the kids are more clear but at our times i'm and i'm talking about 80s when i was in my school so when you got into iim amdavad let's start from there so did you know at the time you got in that you want to be an entrepreneur or was it like the regular path and probably your family would have thought that you would take up a well paying job no my family knew my all my batchmates knew 110% i was very clear from day one that i will be an entrepreneur so did you have experience before you joined i am amdavad yes i had spent around 2 years working in a sales job uh, so i had some sales experience and post i am i what were you selling no i was a part of escorts uh, so i was working with escorts as a sales engineer but that was a very interesting experience that made me travel into the hinterland of uh, the country and really gave me exposure to uh, working hard uh, so that's where i learned and i think that's one of the important traits an entrepreneur needs to have right you really need to work hard so 97 you passed out uh, did you take up a job or what happened next yes i i joined godrej uh, and i i was a part of their management trainee batch in 1997 i was very fortunate that i was asked to handle a new business within 4 months of my mt program and that gave me wonderful exposure to how do you really run the business and then what happened after godrej so i was yeah I, i stayed with godrej for approximately 2 years but incidentally uh, a small incident in my life happened in fact i was getting married uh, and uh, my wife was working here in delhi i was in bangalore uh, and 3 uh, months before our wedding she told me that uh, you know and uh, she she was working with ntpc at that point of time she uh, she told me 3 months before our wedding that ntpc they don't have an office in bangalore and she'll have to quit her job and i always wanted someone as my life partner who has a stable job so that actually made me think and one of my batchmates is a very dear friend uh he suggested to me that why don't you leave your job now and go to delhi and start something so that's the way my entrepreneur originally started or it 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 was to start always so it was always as a part of my plan in my life but it kind of got preponed and uh, my friend convinced me that you know it it's important for you to maybe take that step now and i had, I had concerns about capital i had concerns about saving but then he gave me very strong logic he said you know you are never going to have savings in life right so once you are working you get married you have family responsibilities you will buy a car you will buy a home and uh, you'll never be able to come out of that 
1999, you landed in Delhi. Yeah, I landed in Delhi in October 1999. Uh, I had no business plan in my mind. Uh, I just had confidence that I could do something. I, I could kind of churn something around. And if it fails, I can always go back to a job. And I think that confidence my father and my family gave to me. My father told me that uh, even if you are not able to succeed, you know, uh, you'll always find a job because you have good quality education. And I think that's where I would recommend everybody, you know, it's, it's, it's especially young entrepreneurs that it's important to focus on education. That's always your plan B in life. So that gave me confidence and I came back to Delhi. I got married. Uh, the day of marriage was a very tough day. A lot of people were asking me, hey, what are you doing? Are you still with, uh, you know, with Godrej? I actually had an offer from Coke at that point of time and everybody in the family knew that I was going to join Coke. But when I told them that I'm actually, I've, I've left my job and I want to do something, everybody was asking me what exactly do you want to do and I had no answer. So it was a pretty stressful day. When I look back, I really feel that it's all destined in your life, right? What, what, and, and actually, accordingly, you start thinking. So maybe it was my destiny that I had to take this entrepreneurial journey and career. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased that I took that decision at that point of time. So Netambit initially started with providing, uh, again, offline services to some of the e-commerce companies. That was the initial model. There were a lot of those B2B Which and B2C. Right. Uh, there was Satyam at that point of time. Uh, there was HDFC Securities. They wanted to really acquire uh, uh, kind of customers for their portals or their online businesses. That's what we started off with. And uh, then in 2001, we signed up with Airtel for their SMB business. Airtel was strong with their uh, large corporates and with their retail business, but uh, they had hardly any presence on the SMB side. So that's where we started acquiring SMBs for them. We started generating cash. Uh, we st we continued to reinvest all that cash, right? So I did not draw anything in initial uh, three to four years from the company as remuneration, right? So everything was getting reinvested back into the company. 2001-2 was the time when we got into insurance. So that was a big decision that we had taken. Insurance sector was opening up and we realized that private companies wanted support on selling. So we, we signed up as a corporate agent for uh, one of the insurance companies and we helped them scale their business. We very shortly did very well uh, in the insurance space. And in fact, we started doing so well that by around 2005, we exited everything else that we were doing because we realized that financial services distribution in country can become very large. There were not uh, any structured large players on the financial services distribution side, especially insurance. So what was the trajectory post that? Oh, it was very good. In fact, uh, by around 2005-06, we became extremely popular in the insurance sector. The model that we used to scale and sell insurance uh, in, in India was, uh, so people started calling it an Atambit model. In fact, Forbes covered us in around 2008, uh, you know, wherein they did a story on how Netambit is creating a model for selling insurance in a country like India and how it can be a model for a lot of other countries to follow, especially developing countries to follow. So uh, that's what we started doing. And the business scaled um, to around a 450-500 member team by 2007. We were present in multiple cities in North India. Uh, 2007 was the time when we raised the first round of VC money. Uh, Bessemer Venture Partners invested in us. Uh, 2009, we did Series uh, B. Series B was Bessemer and Helion. We raised a reasonable amount of money, I think, in, in four rounds between 2007 and 2012. We raised around uh, 180 crores. Did for the, the Lehman Brothers collapse and all of those things? Did no, no, nothing impact? impacted us. Nothing okay. impacted us because we were focusing a lot more on Tier 2, Tier 3 cities, right? And that's where, uh, you know, the need for insurance was growing. And uh, that's where I think uh, people were not aware of uh, insurance as a product or how, how effective can a life insurance plan be or how effective a health insurance plan can be, right? So that's where we were focusing on. Our focus was always in tier two, three cities. And till date, I think we, we have an expertise wherein we get into tier two, three cities in a very effective, cost-effective and an efficient manner. 
we do sell in metros also so i'm not saying that we are not strong in metros but i think our biggest strength comes from our ability to hire people in smaller towns train people while they are remotely present and ensure that they are doing an effective uh, work in in uh, those cities tell us 2012 13 like what was netambit like netambit was mid sized organization doing pretty well uh, we were present in 450 cities uh, approximately 7000 people in that business Uh, in 2011 we started our second company which is into real estate uh, uh, sales and uh, distribution again there we did extremely well so netamed was doing very well we had plans to do an ipo to give exist to our uh, investors 2013 was uh, that time then in 2013 uh, there was a problem with our insurance broking license uh, it wasn't renewed for around 8 months uh, it gets renewed every 3 years um that impacted us extremely badly and i think that's where uh, my journey as an entrepreneur wherein you really have to live through a very rough time or a tough time kind of came in it came with a lot of challenges but it also came with tremendous learnings does that mean that for 8 months there were 7000 people who could not sell anything yes so uh, it definitely means that uh, there were 7000 people there was a lot of insecurity within the organization because license uh, wasn't there and uh, there was a chaos within the organization and for us it was the first experience in our lifetime you know how to really handle such a situation and you don't know how to really manage or handle it we filed an appeal with the regulator they took approximately 8 months to clear us on those uh, kind of uh, issues and we could finally get our license back but in those 8 months the damage was fully done we lost a lot of revenue earners uh, we had uh, large offices large fixed costs all those costs stayed so although the license came back we started selling again after 8 months but uh, we could not sell effectively because um, as i said you know our, our revenues dropped sharply so it was a very very uh, tough situation and a lot of people advised that it may be a wise thing to really wind up the business and move on in life but then as a group of entrepreneurs me and my co-founders we were keen to kind of give it a try to kind of uh, revive netambit right because it's it's easy to wind up right but it's not a good thing to run away from the situation so what that's what the lowest point of netambit like you know like what had it come down to in terms of either headcount so headcount we dropped to around 500 600 odd people at its lowest level uh, when was this that was in in around 2017 approximately so, so the, what happened from 13 to 17 13 you had that 8 month period so 13 we had that 8 month period we definitely had cash uh, in banks so we could uh, continue to uh, sustain but the cash obviously we kind of ran out of and i have a lot of learnings out of that phase right so uh, which in hindsight you know i made a lot of mistakes as the ceo of uh, the company you know which in hindsight you know had had if if i were to get into a similar situation i will do things very differently to really uh, kind of come out of that situation and my sense is that damage would have been much less but can you share what mistakes you made and you know because it will help other entrepreneurs yeah i i i see a lot of companies also making that mistakes right uh, so for example we were slightly heavy on costs right and uh, that even if you're not going through a bad situation you should not build large costs and that's what i've seen and nowadays you know we are all reading in media a lot of companies scaling down letting people go these are clear examples of companies who have overbuilt for cost so i think uh, that is something that is a mistake i'm not repeating again as we are building our version 2 of our uh, journey right although it's a very different business that we are building now it has nothing to do with our old businesses right but still Uh, we are being extremely careful about uh, the cost structures it's it's very easy to build costs as in you had too much headcount too much uh, offices on rent and i think we had too much overheads uh, not headcount i think headcount is required in our kind of uh, business which is our revenue earners and you need the right uh, structures so you can't be penny wise pound foolish but uh, at the same time um, you know kind of uh, building a lot of layers and uh, having have a 
having having a lot of heavy structures a lot of flashy offices i think i think the times are changing now unless until you become a very large company a lot of founders make this mistake right and i think i also made this mistake right uh, that while you are doing well right you 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 start building flashy offices you start uh, investing a lot uh, in in kind of other things right maybe uh, my my learning is you should not do it right because ultimately the only thing you should care about is uh, the well-being of your business and well-being of your people right so that ultimately people are extremely important to uh, my mind right so you uh, really need to ensure that you have uh, cash balances for the rainy days any business will go through rainy days for sure right uh, these are cycles i have not seen a kind of even a single business which continues to do well from the outside it may look that businesses are doing well but i think the real strength of the business lies in looking at the cash flows and and you know and, and when we hear stories about businesses struggling or kind of going down under it's largely because of cash flows and pnl right so these are the two main reasons so i think so, it's it's good to always conserve cash for the rainy days and uh, so no point in spending a lot and especially you know especially indian businesses or till you become very very large very large one should be extremely careful about conserving cash so i think that's a big mistake that i made and second mistake that i made was you know when such a situation kind of came in right i think we should have cut down on overheads very very sharply which we did not do i i, I don't like to cut down on people right but i think you're especially other words like you know you have offices etc etc even if you have lock ins you should try to see negotiate or maybe somehow come out of those situations very very fast uh so i think uh, there are a lot of other learnings right uh, which are smaller or or kind of in, in in nature but largely cost because costs are real and uh, they have to be looked at very very sharply very sharply and uh, being being very uh, dispassionate about situations is extremely important a lot of times as entrepreneurs we are very very emotional about our uh, businesses i think i think that is something especially in tough situations you have to be very practical about uh, such a situation so there you know these are few learnings and i'm still learning it's not as if the learnings have stopped and i think that's what to my mind uh, excites entrepreneurs right so you continue to learn uh, till the last day you are an entrepreneur right so what were some of the tough decisions you had to make in that 13 to 17 period oh lots of them lots of them i think there were tough decisions around uh, you you know we had limited cash so for example whether to pay rentals or to salaries or to uh, you know um, uh, you know your your government dues so those are the questions you have right because ultimately if you don't pay salaries you will lose out on people right and uh, that is required to rebound out of that situation you need people you need people to work on that in that tough situation to really kind of come out of that situation so i think multiple tough uh, decisions on a day to day basis had to be taken what what was this period like for you personally you no know, i have realized one thing akshay um, you have two choices either you give up or you become stronger right so fortunately for me i think the god was kind and i think my own mindset turned extremely positive uh, because i personally saw it as a learning phase right because there is so much of negativity around you in such uh, situations right so there are there are various stakeholders who are telling you that maybe you know will not sustain and and uh, so every day you get to hear such things from various people they could be your uh, investors they could be your own employees they could be your own co-founders right who at times uh, would say that hey it is very tough to sustain let's wind up or things will go bad or you get a legal notice from somewhere or you get a notice from one of the government departments there could be raids on you and and multiple things happen so every day is tough so but but i think what i have learned that the only choice you have to is to remain uh, positive so i've had very very i would say tough times but uh, i have i've learned one thing that 
if you st- if you remain positive your intent is correct you know you're not unethical by nature uh if your intent is to ensure that every stakeholder is important and if your intent is to ensure that every stakeholder uh has to be treated in the right and ethical way i think if you do that uh, to my mind you remain calm uh so that's what i did i i tried to ensure that in in order of priority i kept myself the last uh, as as a stakeholder right and in fact as founders we did not take any salaries out of the company for around 5 and 1/2 6 years we are still not taking it right as we speak because we want to clear off all the liabilities and by god's grace we have been able to clear most of the liabilities by now uh so it's important to uh, uh kind of remain focused on this agenda of uh, of of reviving the organization in such situations because organization has to be larger than your own self if you work with that objective to my mind uh, and and if god is kind i think god has to be kind on you right uh there are tough days very tough days you know i've had days where and you know kind of uh, people whom you know whom we kind of uh, whom whom we had to pay they came to office they'll create rakas and all that all that happens all that happens and i'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs who go through this situation would see those uh, days it's just important to uh, remain calm another big learning that i had is you know never run away from the situation if there is a tough situation right if there is a government notice or there is is there is any problem some people are at your office trying to create a ruckus so 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 you know they're right they you know you know they have every right to ask for their money maybe their behavior is not correct right uh, so the best thing i have done and i have learned is i have always faced the situation i have never run away from the situation i'll i'll go and meet them i'll i'll talk to them convince them give them this confidence so what happens is if you owe someone some dues or some money beat beat government officials or kind of anybody right no one wants to kill you no one ultimately what they want is their money and what they want is confidence and what we want as entrepreneurs is time so i think once you meet them you tell them your problem you explain to them what you are going through you explain to them you know that your intent is not poor uh i think i have seen 99.99% of the people aligning with you and and giving you adequate time to improve things and i think that's what i have seen and i've been able to successfully do in last uh, f- you know 5 years i have not even had a single instance wherein someone has really gone physical so so you have to be fair you have to be fair to everybody you have to look at the situation from their viewpoint once you do that i'm sure you will be able to solve any tough situation so you had a real estate business also then uh, from 13 to 17 why 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 could you not yeah so the real estate markets also slowed down in a big way and a lot of our kind of cash got stuck with uh, a lot of builders from whom we had to take payments so that added to the problem and in any case our financial services business used to contribute approximately 85% of the group's revenue so that was very large and uh, so since it was gone for around 8 months uh, we we had no way but to, uh, uh, to kind of you know to just sustain on real estate business so that led us to kind of you know uh, that increased our problems uh, so and and it happens akshay when when things go bad for you in life you know you are struck on all the fronts so but i think lovely learning experience overall so uh, then in 2017 uh, when you were at 500 people so tell us about the journey after that yeah don't 2017 parallelly what happened that 17 you were still uh, in insurance sir yeah we were in insurance but we were very keen to shut down insurance because unfortunately what happened during that phase of 2014 to 17 the misselling and the wrong practices in insurance increased a lot so most of the employees who were selling were uh, misselling which uh, we were not very comfortable as founders you know we we are very ethical by nature all of us we don't want to get uh, engaged in anything which is not right we tried our level best we really worked very hard i personally traveled to all our locations addressed our people multiple number of times that let's sell in the right way you know because our complaints were increasing that's the point of time we 
totally decided to shut down insurance you know and uh, so we practically shut down so today we don't do any insurance business at all although we have the license we plan to rebuild it at some point of time in future but we then decided to, to you know kind of take a break because uh, and uh, that's where this idea of managed sales services came in that's a new business that we have started it's altogether a very different business uh, that that you know is is there in the nature so we decided to uh, shut off the insurance business in 2017 2018 beginning we totally shut it down we made it zero we could not have shut it down overnight uh, because there were people and there were liabilities etc so we really kind of scaled it down slowly uh, by step by step we started winding up our zones or markets so we started with east india and then slowly we kind of uh, finished it off and and parallelly we started looking at opportunities to build our uh, uh, new business which is managed sales services so we were fortunate that uh, by around April, May of uh, 2018, this new business uh, started uh, showing good initial signs of success. And How uh, did it start? Who were your first clients? What was the origin of the idea to offer managed sales services? Yeah, so the origin of the idea came uh, from the fact that we realized that sales is a challenge for everybody, right? Uh, be it, um, as I said earlier, be it insurance companies, be it banks, be it... Ultimately, everyone has to sell uh, so we realized that uh, especially a lot of these new age companies were coming up and ultimately uh, we you know we realized that a lot of these companies by dna by uh, by culture are not sales organizations they are tech organizations or product organizations but to scale they definitely have to do sales and that's where we thought then when companies can outsource their call center activities or kpo activities why not sales at large scale so that's when we came out with this thought of uh, starting a managed sales services business and we started approaching people Initially, we experimented with some uh, smaller companies, uh, startups, uh, basically to understand whether this idea uh, will will uh, sail through or not. So all that was happening parallelly. And, and actually, to be very honest, uh, you just continue to try, right, while you're building a new business. Our first break came from Paytm. Uh, so uh, Paytm gave us this opportunity. They were keen that we work with them on managed sales services. But I think we were not prepared to handle such a large account at one go. So we started with stuffing, uh, sales stuffing as as one of the areas. Uh, and I'm, I'm really thankful to Paytm and to Vijay especially, right, I think. So once we had Paytm as a client, after that, we have really built this business successfully. Today, we work with Amazon, uh, Google, Swiggy. And what do you do for each of these clients? Okay, so for, uh, for, for some of them, uh, we do sales stuffing, although that's not a business we really intend to scale a lot. Uh, our, our intentions are to scale managed sales services. In managed sales services, we... Uh, work with every client and identify what their requirements, offline sales or account management requirements are, wherein they uh, either on the supply side or the demand side. So we we basically sit with the client, we understand what their requirements are. Uh, we figure out what kind of models uh, do they need to uh, work on um, and, and we create those models for them and we manage those models for them. So complete uh, hiring of those people, salespeople, uh, salespeople are on our roles. They are accountable to Netambit and Netambit's HR policies are followed. We do the complete planning and performance management. So we take accountability of the business plan for those companies when it comes to uh, whatever metric they want us to drive. Can you give some examples? of? So I'll uh, take an example of a leading food tech company. Um, uh, so today, uh, a food tech company requires to onboard restaurants for them, right? Because the restaurants that you see on a food tech platform. So for our leading food tech company, we do their restaurant onboarding Pan India and uh, we started small approximately 14 months back for them. And today, 100% of their restaurants are onboarded by us, be it their national accounts or, or any kind of restaurants in their top 99 cities. Then the same company wanted to expand to around uh, 1000 uh, odd cities uh, from uh, at that point of time, they were present in 45 cities. 
we have helped them scale from 45 to approximately 600 plus uh, cities so the launch teams are ours the expansion teams are ours so our teams travel they really uh, launch a city for uh, for for uh, this company and after that uh, we have another set of team which really manages these cities for them so we do multiple things for that company uh, uh, so we are largely doing any kind of merchant onboarding uh, we just not only onboard or acquire uh, you know uh, uh, you know the merchant or the client uh, for our our clients uh, we we basically also help them manage them on an ongoing basis so it's a it's a complete sales and business development role that we play we also work with some of the large companies who really want help on um, smb onboarding small and medium business onboarding and managing those accounts basically driving revenue out of them uh, we also work with some clients who need us to get into large corporate so we we basically work across segments be it b2b b2 uh, b2c b2 smb b2 retail whatever is any kind of uh, sales requirement any kind of offline sales requirement is what we try to solve for so what are the lessons for entrepreneurs in terms of scaling up headcount because as you said you currently have more than 15000 people and in 2017 you had 500 people so from 500 to crossing 15000 how, how did you do that in such a short span I think uh, fundamentally uh, scaling requires to do basic things day in and day out in the right manner right so it's a process uh, sales or scaling or if you want to scale your hiring you want to scale your manpower you want to scale your organization you want to scale your sales uh, or do you want to scale your uh, demand side supply side it's all about deciding a framework a process and following it religiously I'm not saying that it should be hard cast in stone. Uh you have to constantly keep an eye on key metrics and refine them as you go along. But one thing I've noticed why people are not able to scale uh, and then one big thing I'm noticing especially with a lot of uh, young entrepreneurs that I meet uh, while like kind of go around and and meet a lot of uh, startups they change their plans too fast. You know, they are not they don't have the patience to look through a plan or uh, so so say for example I've seen them creating a plan and within one month if they're not getting the results they get impatient. it takes time it takes 3 to 4 months for any uh, a plan to really start showing results uh, i'm not saying that the, you know you should not tweak that plan as you go along you should tweak but fundamentally you should not change the direction of the plan uh, so that's what at least we don't do we 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 really spend a lot of time thinking through a plan creating the right uh, processes right matrices around it but once we are convinced about that plan then we give it our level best then we don't change the plans frequently we definitely tweak the plans we definitely review the plans but we don't uh, make large fundamental changes in that plan and i have seen 99.99% of the times that sustains and that really helps you scale the business effectively uh, because no point that you show impatience right because in any case you've invested for a month's cost or two months cost right if you fundamentally change it all together uh, then you're going to burn all that uh, investments that you have made and again you're going to restart from uh, scratch uh so that's what i would uh, i've i've seen uh, as as a, a typical thing that a lot of people do and we normally don't do that we we put a faith into a plan and just go after that plan so what do you think of the famous uh, slogan of mark zuckerberg move fast and break things no moving fast is uh, important so i'm not saying that uh, you should not move fast but you you know the definition and the benchmark of moving fast has to be clearly defined especially when you are building offline workforces wherein wherever you need an offline intervention i think you need 3 to 6 months to stabilize things you know if if you if you think moving fast is uh moving at a pace uh, in which you want to really move fast and change things within a month's time to my mind that won't happen because ultimately you are dealing with human minds uh they have their own practices uh culture 
I think one big important thing that you know I've I've really used always to scale uh, my businesses is culture. I think culture is extremely important uh, to be aligned. And when you are scaling fast, you get people from different backgrounds. So I think what they bring on table is tons of knowledge, uh, tons of experience. Uh, but what they uh, also bring on table is very diverse cultures. So I think, and I'm not saying any culture is good or bad. Uh, maybe they come from very good cultural uh, back. You know. They, they bring on table a lot of good cultural practices or or good culture. Uh, what is important is alignment of uh, and of of that culture, right? Um, so, as an organization, we also need to learn from them. At the same time, every organization needs to have a unique uh, culture. So, culture is extremely important uh, to be uh, retained and constantly refined. Uh, so that's what. But I think it's important that the teams are thinking alike. in terms of the culture is there a difference in how you did your first scale up when in 2005 you were about 500 people and then you hit about 8000 people and now again from 500 to 15000 people so in these two scale ups uh, is there a difference yes uh, i think uh, the difference is a we have become much wiser in terms of how to really want to scale up so we are extremely conscious on cost which i said earlier uh second this time i think uh, last time i think as as we build um, uh, the organization from a scratch to around 8000 right and we had very strong leadership team at the top uh, i think one mistake i made was i i i stopped engaging a lot with the frontline uh, people in this business it's extremely important to engage with everybody i think this time around i am not making that mistake i'm deeply engaged uh, with the people in terms of communication in terms of talking to them frequently because that's what i've realized uh, for uh, maintaining the culture or the right culture or doing the right things it's very important for the leader to consistently be in touch with your folks so that's what i think i'm doing third we are not building very expensive structures within the organization so we are actually uh, bringing in youngsters uh, who are uh, who are who are kind of who, who come with the right passion who come with the right uh, value systems and upgrading them to take up the leadership roles so i think that is the third thing so that will help us uh, uh minimize or keep our costs under control and at the same time ensure that organization has a lot of energy a lot of agility uh to kind of uh, keep moving on so if you could send a letter to your younger self what would you tell him say if uh, the day when you got married if you could write a letter to you which would be opened by you when you're getting married what would that letter have in it that's a very interesting question i think if if this question alludes to the fact that uh, you know if i look back what i could have done better if uh, if uh, that's what the question is then my answer is yes i would i would definitely uh, uh uh would would have liked to maintain a better work life balance which i haven't right until now i think uh, i've i've really been working very hard uh, which has come at a cost of my own health and my own uh, family I think I would like to change that moving forward. I would definitely like to uh, kind of have a much better work-life uh, balance, and that's what my request to all entrepreneurs would be: that you should definitely uh, have a better work-life uh, balance. Uh, that's one. Second, I have missed out on learning uh, in terms of knowledge beyond what I know. I think that's one uh, big regret I have. And if I were to kind of rewind and kind of uh, relive my journey. i would have definitely earmarked some time for my own personal learnings uh, for example like you would have learned to play the guitar or so that's on the hobby side yes but i think on 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 the knowledge side also for example i i don't understand ai well today right i don't understand online part of the business well it's not as if you have to learn anything to just run your businesses it's also just 
I think I think an entre- most of the entrepreneurs are very hungry for knowledge is what I have seen. I think that's a trait of entrepreneurs, right? So I've missed out on that. Uh, so uh, that is one area that I think uh, every entrepreneur must focus on. And I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs do focus on that. But I have missed out personally. So I would like to really focus on that as I move forward from here on. But is everyone cut out to be an entrepreneur? Not really. You need uh, a lot of mental strength, first of all. You need... Uh, you need to sacrifice a lot, right? So people who are not willing to sacrifice uh, their personal lives, not willing to sacrifice multiple things, right? As an entrepreneur, you... So as an entrepreneur, so being an entrepreneur is a thankless job, right? So it's not as if very few, if you see very few entrepreneurs become extremely popular wherein they uh, make a lot of money and, and so it's a journey and, and it is it is a passion. It's like being in armed forces, right? So... Only those people who are committed to, uh, you know, lead that kind of a life, which is a very, very tough life, very tough life, I think, they only should choose that, right? Similarly, for an entrepreneur, it's not an easy life. You should be prepared for ups and downs. uh, And you should enjoy every phase of your entrepreneurial journey. If you are cut out for that, then only you should take the entrepreneurial path. So that was Girish Patra talking about his roller coaster journey. Girish currently mentors young startup founders, and if you want to get introduced to him, then shoot a mail at hello at the podium.in. If you like the Founder Thesis podcast, then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing, technology, career advice, books, and drama. Visit the podium.in, that is T-H-E-P-O-D-I-U-N.in for a complete list of all our shows. This was an HD Smartcast original. HD Smartcast. Log on to hdsmartcast.com to listen to more such podcasts.